0: Welcome to The Church at Lake Mead, and this is our sermon podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to say thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you
1: again soon. Here is today's message. I want to I start with a quote here, um, and it's from the early 1900s, uh, a philosopher uh, who said this. He said that all all actual life is encounter. That all actual life, like real life, is about encounter. An encounter, the definition for encounter, is this unexpected like meeting with someone or something that leads towards transformation. Like that you would you would have this encounter and then you'd be moved by it. And so I want you to encounter a couple friends of mine uh, and one of them uh, is Pepper. So everybody say hey Pepper. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then this is Anthony. Say hey Anthony. I have you say that so you'll remember their names. It's best to like uh, say it out loud so it just sticks up here. Uh, Pepper, a couple of weeks ago, I we brought to you all the the de- desire for us to share your story, to tell your story. And uh, after our service, Pepper came up to me and he's like, "I want to tell my story," um, which which is pretty remarkable. Uh, if you know Pepper, he is uh, he's an introvert uh, and um, he's a pretty quiet guy. And so even being up here is a fearful thing or nervous thing, right? Right. Uh, So, but I promised you all that you would all be kind. Uh, So, yes. Uh, So Pepper and Anthony, uh, Pepper, you started here uh, about seven years ago. Um, And so I think it's really important for us to start before you came into this community. So maybe share a little bit about who you were before uh, being part of Lake Mead.
2: So before I came here and recommitted my life to Christ, I lived a life of isolation. And through the disappointments and the failures in life, I just, that life of isolation, it just led to me becoming very embittered, very angry, unforgiving, critical, judgmental. Um, And as I walked through that, It just grew inside me and I just, I remember that times where I would just, the anger inside me would just seep out and I would, you know, go into fits where I would just throw something across the room or punch a wall or I really became angry and embittered towards God and I remember there are times when I would just call him out and tell him to come down here so I could beat him up. Mm-hmm. And that's really bad. And that just, <laughs> that just led to another factor, which is filling the feelings of guilt and shame, which
1: led to more anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back in 2015, uh, what, what took place that, that you said brought you to a recommitment to Christ? So in 2015, um,
2: I found out that someone had gotten into my bank account. And since I don't really follow my statements that closely, I realized they had been doing it for a while. <laughs> so at that point, I just, I broke. I had had enough. I was at my breaking point. And I remember that I just fell on my knees and I said, I can't take it anymore, God. I'm, I'm done, mm-hmm. you know. Just please, you know, accept me back. And I just, even after that, you know, I I remember I was still so angry. And I just, I kept thinking of all the ways I could pay these people back. And, um, you know, it it was real ugly. And I just, God just told me, he said, don't worry about it. You just need to forgive them. And I don't even want you to pursue any kind of legal action. I just want you to let it go and let me be your indicator.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so, oh, yeah, you can celebrate with Pepper. Yeah. So, you're, so God was working on your heart, um, trying to, to just break down those, those, that bitterness and anger. And, and you recommitted your life to Christ. Um, and then you became part of our church family at that moment too, right? That you started to be part of this community. Um, Pepper, describe yourself a little bit on the front end of that. What would people have encountered with you? So even
2: after I first started here, I still, I just had all that that anger built and bitterness built up inside me. So um, it was only... The transformation really started to occur when I got more involved in the community through serving. And um this guy beside me right here, I, I just I started to serve with him and then get in, you know, get to know him through serving at Men's Breakfast. And as we got to know each other, um we got in some small groups together, and he really he impacted my life a whole great deal because he just he showed me love and kindness and acceptance, him and his whole family, and they just, they loved me no matter what, and he just loved on me and unconditionally accepted me the way I was, and he didn't judge me or criticize me, and he just listened to me, and that just made a huge, huge impact on me.
1: Wow,
3: that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am on, yeah, that's Like, how do you follow that? That's great. (laughs) So good. Yeah, and um, I've said this before, and and I'll say it again. When you start in a church family, you see people out there, and you're like, man, I'd like to get to know them. I want to be their friends. I want to be in their community. And then you discover others that you didn't see that end up being, like, your greatest ally, (laughs) like your greatest friend. And uh, that's what we do to each other. We we play off of each other's weaknesses and until you're in a community where you can have somebody in your life that can show you those weaknesses you're you're not living you don't have a friend until you have a friend like that and that's what pepper is to me mm-hmm. i can come to him and i can say hey i see you doing this and he can do the same to me and we strengthen each other we grow each other's deficiencies by that and, and that's ultimately what it's all about in this Christ,
1: Amen, Amen. Anthony, share a little bit of, of what discipleship has looked like. What were some of the pieces of discipleship in in life in each of your lives uh, as you over the last several years together? Yeah, it, it's it's really funny because you
3: know as he's talking and I'm talking here, I don't even remember what brought us together. I okay. I honestly don't. Like, you know, we were just. Like, join like at one point we didn't know each other the next point we're joined at the hip and we're yelling at each other in the kitchen it's like I don't know what happened and, and maybe he remembers and I don't know and um that's the discipleship I saw something in him that was a love for the Lord that I didn't have and you could really see that in him and he displayed it and maybe he saw something in me that he didn't have and so he we just we just came to each other and we just fed off of each other. And that's what discipleship is, is it's growing ourselves to be more like Christ. Yeah. Wh- whatever that looks like. And mm-hmm. and honestly I can't even explain what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, no classes, no you know, no sermon series, nothing is gonna give you that that revealed knowledge that you're gonna see. I mean it just it's just there and you mm-hmm. get it from other people and you get it from being in a
1: community. That's good. Yeah. Pepper, um, maybe just challenge our church for a moment uh, on on what it means. What well, you would encourage people to do uh, here at Lake Maid.
2: So, as an introvert, I really don't like um, socializing, and that's something I, you know, that God has really worked on me about. But don't be afraid. Don't let the fear of rejection or vulnerability hold you back from getting into community because when you do life together, we are better together and we're stronger together and we help each other and we grow mm. with each other. And that's what the the body of Christ is about, is being able to do life together and grow with each other. And if you don't do that, you just, you're just you making life way harder than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. that's good stuff.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's so amazing. And I just wanted to add, we just talked about this in our, in our class we just had. And, um, and it really impacted me. It's something I got out of it, out of today's class. And people look at the church, and they see what everything that we can't do. And that's what people see from the outside. Until you become in that body, you don't realize what you get And people just don't see that from the outside. They just see all the rules and all the no's. You can't do this. You can't do that. But until you're in it and you start serving in it is when you realize, I don't need any of that stuff because I have this and I have this and I have everything else that comes with being part of this church.
1: That's a good word. Man, yeah. (laughs) Mm. So just a Quick thing. American culture says that you're gifted when you're when you have a lot of charisma, and that uh, you're gifted when you're extroverted, and that is a lie. I think I think character is more important than charisma. And and uh, and God calls all of us to be um, used in the body of Christ. And so when you follow Jesus, he is giving you gifts to be used in this body. And so Pepper, I watch him, he's here before anyone else on a Sunday morning. Literally, he comes in on a Sunday morning before anyone else and begins to serve you uh, and serve us by setting things up and, um, and just... L- Quietly loving you in this, uh, in, a, in a, in that way, and throughout the day, he's here. Uh, uh, he's the last to leave, I think, too. Uh, and, uh, he's not, he's not on staff. Like that's, he just loves you, and he loves Jesus, and he lives it out. So I'm grateful to you. I'm gra- I'm grateful that you are discipling each other. Uh, yeah. I think. I
3: think I could say we're we're grateful for each other. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't be here sitting here talking to you guys if it wouldn't be for each other mm-hmm. and, and there's other people out there that mm-hmm. made it happen too but.
1: and one of, the, fun, of the the most fun thing on a sunday morning is to hear these two fight in the back room <laughs> yeah. like these two they they're like brothers and it's the best experience ever to just be standing there and they <laughs> mess with each other the whole day uh yeah Love you guys. Yeah, I thank had to you. really, oh, yeah.
3: I had to control myself by not making fun of him up here, but I promise <laughs> yes. I wouldn't.
1: That's good <laughs> thank stuff. You, Love you, thank you. Oh man, good stuff. Hey, early on in, in Mark chapter one, um, Jesus, he encounters different people and he makes this statement to them. He says, uh, come follow me. They have a moment of choice because to follow is a big sacrifice to lay down. It later says they lay down their nets and immediately went. And that's a big sacrifice to do because as Pepper said, it's a vulnerable experience. It's a woundable experience. Vulnerability means to be wounded, to put yourself out to be wounded. And to follow somebody is a woundable experience because you're putting everything on the line as you consider following them. And Jesus says, hey, follow me. I want, you to, I want you to follow me. So the next three years, they follow. And it's unexpected moments of Jesus doing miraculous things. And he kept on making them scratch their heads, especially in the words that he said. And so throughout all of those three years, they're following. And some will leave because they're like, this is too much. And others keep leaning in. I'm like, I'm not certain who this guy is. Then he willingly lays down his life and dies on a cruel cross. And that really throws them all off. They don't know what to do. Three days later, early in the morning, a couple of women get up early to go back to the grave. And they're in despair, they may be angry, they might be afraid. They're consoling each other as they're walking this road, it might be dark, and they're they're consoling each other and they might be weeping, and they get to the grave and it's empty. And they're uncertain. They're actually afraid that it's, why would somebody steal a body? That's what their first thought is. And then they discover there's an angel in the, in the space. And this is what he said. He tells them that Jesus has risen from the grave. And he tells these women, go and tell all the rest of the disciples that he is risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women, what they do is they hurry up and they go away from the tomb. And this is real discipleship, fear and joy, right? Afraid of what are you doing? And joy, oh, you're going to do this. And ran to tell his disciples, listen, let me talk to the women in the room for just a moment. As you know, some of you might know, this wasn't by accident. Heaven does this miraculous invitation for women to be the first to tell about the resurrection of Jesus that they could have confidence knowing that Jesus wants them to do this work about telling others about his resurrection. And that over and over throughout the centuries, there's been a pushback on that. And that you, I'm inviting you to live in the confidence that you have been called to disciple others. And so here we have this invitation and it gets lived out. And last week I talked about, hey, as disciples of Jesus, don't just know by book knowledge, know by living out this faith, like actually step into places where God will do immeasurably more and he will prove himself that he does, that you would have the, like, I'm gonna step into that, that we would encounter Jesus over and over and over again. So here's what I want you to do for a couple of minutes uh, that we have left together. You have a really good friend, let's say, and this friend is not a Jesus follower, and you are. And over the decade or so that you've known each other, um, this friend, whether agnostic or whether uh, atheist or whether just like, ah, it's not for me kind of thing, um, throughout those 10 years, they've they've been having conversations a little bit with you. But one day you're sitting down with them, and they actually ask you this question they ask you what does it really look like to follow jesus and they're waiting for you to summarize your day-to-day following of jesus what would you say i want you to just like let's do a thought process a uh, thought experiment just for a moment what's your summary of what it means to follow Jesus. And maybe you write it down, maybe, or you think about it a little bit. Maybe you think about it later. If anybody were to sit down with us and say, hey, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Like day-to-day, like, all, like practicality. Like what is the practical steps of following Jesus? What does it look like? If I were just to observe, observe you following Jesus, what does that actually look like? So what I want to do for just a moment is to talk about, like, what does it mean to be a disciple? Just like these two had, to, had uh, talked about it, uh, together. What does it mean to be a disciple? Because listen, as we consider this building across the street, we do not want to lose our sight on the mission that we are about making disciples. Above anything else, we're about making disciples. The building across the street is just a tool, just like this room right here is a tool. We want to be about making disciples. So what is discipleship? Look at this uh, uh, definition here. Discipleship is the process by which a disciple is transformed. So there's some sort of transformation that's happening as a disciple. It doesn't start and and be done with at the front end. It's this constant transformation over time throughout all of our life that I live in this eternal kingdom from this point on, there's a transformation. He goes on to say this discipleship, it's the involvement of one disciple, like Pepper, helping another, like Anthony, grow in his or her discipleship. That's what discipleship is. So the women run, they tell the other uh, disciples, Jesus is alive. They're uncertain, but Je- they say, Hey, Jesus wants to meet you on this mountaintop. And they go to the mountaintop, and this is what Jesus says. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What I really love about that statement right there, they worshiped and some doubted, is that I would always want our church to have that in it. That there are many of you who are worshiping you, worshiping Jesus, and then there's some who are doubting (laughs) that we would have a table where you could be skeptic here and we would walk beside you to point you to Jesus. And that each of us would set tables all over the place in our homes, in our workplaces, where some are worshiping and some are doubting. And we would over and over make that table a welcoming space to do that, right? So so here they're worshiping and they're a little doubting and then it goes on and Jesus uh, says this. We're gonna move just a little bit forward. Jesus says this. He came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Keep going. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I want us to consider four questions as I finish up here. And these are the four questions. Ready? How do we avoid making disciples? We'll start there. How do we embrace discipleship? How do we recognize a disciple of Jesus? And how do we do this here? So let's start about on how we could avoid it. So if we collectively are in agreement to avoid discipleship, this is what it will look like. We stay seated and we go nowhere. That we are just fine with staying seated. And what I mean by staying seated is being spectators. That we would watch somebody else in their gifting each week and then nothing more. And that if we go on a little bit further, we would avoid people. So I'm an introvert. So I, was, I can mess with uh, Pepper a little bit because I relate totally to what he's saying. I could live in isolation and hurt, like, just ruin myself. All right, so I know a lot of you, 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 you that, that's so foreign to you. You have to be around other people. Uh, but I could choose to avoid people altogether. Because, and I could use the excuse of my introversion. But that's not what Jesus just called us to do. If I want to avoid discipleship, then I don't teach anyone. If I want to avoid discipleship, then I never baptize anybody. If I want to avoid discipleship, I never practice the way of Jesus. I go on living as if I never encountered him. Are we satisfied with that? The only people, I know know this is a common uh, uh, misunderstanding, that only pastors baptize people. And maybe it's because they have the script and they know what to say when you don't come, right? <laughs> but Jesus doesn't leave it there. Like, He has called you and I to baptize, to teach, and, and encourage others to observe all that He commanded. Like that is what discipleship is. So how do we embrace discipleship? Let's move on, because I'm not satisfied with avoiding it. How do we embrace discipleship? Well, we do it right away. In Mark, when Jesus said, come follow me, you'll see that they do it immediately. They don't hesitate. They drop everything and say, okay, I'm going with you. Now, some chose not to go with Jesus. But those who said, I want to follow Jesus, drop everything immediately and go. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you felt like you should do something and you gave yourself a little time and you choose not to and the, the thing that kept you from doing it was this little moment of time where you talked yourself out of it. We talked a little bit about this idea of have you ever uh, came across a generous opportunity and you would have done it if you had just done it right away but you gave yourself just two or three seconds and your dollar amount went down then you give yourself a few more seconds and it goes down again and you go a little bit further and you say, oh, somebody else could do it, right? Like, or we just totally forget. And I don't know if you've been there, I've been there several times where I could have been generous and I chose not to, right? And so, so here, when, we, when Jesus says, come follow me, you'll see disciples will do it immediately. Here's the other thing we embrace, how we embrace discipleship. We learn from each other. These two learning from each other that we would choose to put ourselves in places where we could, that we would take time and get past the surface interactions and begin to learn and teach each other with Jesus as the central part of our conversation. Discipleship is messy. They kind of referenced that a little bit. And that we would embrace messiness in the midst of it. I don't know about you, but I am not perfect. And you get to be around me very much and you'll discover that, right? So I heard a great author say this, church is this, it's the mystery of God meeting the messiness of humanity, right? Like we are messy people. You will not find perfection in this church and nor do we wanna try to get there because we can't do it on our own. So we're just gonna keep on following Jesus and we'll be a little messy about it, but we'll keep on following Jesus and asking for forgiveness and constantly saying, I'm so sorry, I'm messy, right? So this is, that's what discipleship is, that we would embrace that, that we teach others as well. I got to keep moving here. Uh, let's move on to the next one. How do we recognize a disciple of Jesus? What does a disciple look like? Jesus does a really great summary. And it's pretty straightforward. A lot of times he's talking about stuff in parables, but this one's really straightforward. If I were somebody who are on the outside, I was that friend sitting across from you, Jesus would say that this is the identifier that indicates if you are a follower of Jesus. Look at what he says. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He goes on and he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. How? Just as Jesus loved. If you read any of the gospels, you'll see how difficult the situation, how messy some of those disciples were, and you'll be in awe of how Jesus loved them anyway. Like over and over they're messing up and, he, and they're saying things they shouldn't and they're calling things out and they want fire down from heaven and they're just doing all these things and Jesus loves them anyways. We are called to a, a love that's not from ourselves. It's a love that only Jesus can give where I could love people and not have favorites. Where I could love people even if they are considered an enemy that I could love them. I could love people who offend me. I can love people who fail me. I can love People who reject me, like all of that kind of love. It's a love when the world looks in and they're like, "How are they doing that?" It's only through Christ. So that's what a disciple looks like. Let's keep going. How do we do this here? How do we disciple here at Lake Mead? Well, I want us to grow together. I don't want any of us doing a solo act. I want us each to step into this together feeling a little uncertain, a little afraid, but a lot of joy. Like where I would step into this and say, man, I do not know everything, but I'm willing to grow together with you. And that we would encourage each other to love and good works. Hey, we need to serve, come on, let's serve hey, let's bring some other people who don't know Jesus to the table, like at Alpha, where, where we could sit together at Alpha, uh, and you don't need to know Jesus, and it's a safe place to say, I don't even think I believe in Jesus, and that we would walk together, we'd, we'd spend some time together. Uh, man, Gary, like you and Carmela brought the uh, three friends, right? It was three, like three friends, and I got to meet them this week at Alpha, and over the last 10 weeks, I remember our conversation on the front end of that where we're like, okay, let's bring these friends over and they don't, they're different walks of life. They, uh, one is an atheist, I think, and uh, and uncertain and just they've been, they keep coming back every week for 10 weeks. They've been uh, um, talking about Jesus with us. I encourage you to do the same. When the next Alpha comes and you have some friends or family that don't know Jesus, invite them to that table. Like it's a great, incredible experience uh, to have that conversation together, that we would grow together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship said this, that this isn't about hero worship, this is an intimacy with Christ. There is a, there is a tendency of celebrity culture within the church that certain giftings get all the attention and that, that that's the ultimate is to be at a certain gifting that is not the church. He gives us each giftings to be played out and we disciple in those giftings. And I am inviting you into that. And the, mo- the, the most significant part of it is that we have an intimacy with Jesus together, that we grow in our, in our faith together, that we explore and consider Jesus more, that this year we know and understand him more than we did last year. And here's the promise that he gives in Matthew 28. At the very end, he says this to the the disciples, I'm with you always. The resurrected King is promising to be with us to live this life of faith that he's called us to, to baptize and to teach and to, and to encourage each other and to tell all nations about him. He says, I'm with you always. It's as if we were going to look at the world now through an, the lens of an empty tomb. And this is how I'm gonna live. I've got the resurrection king with me and I'm gonna share with others just like those women did on the very front end. He is risen, my life has changed, right? So let me give you a couple of practical things. Here's how you could do it. At Lake Mead, we just wanna, we wanna just keep on fostering community together as disciples of Christ. So here's how you could do it if you're not in one of these places. We can go join Alpha the next time it happens. It finishes this next week and then we'll do another round. Get into a life group. And, and a great way to do that, is you'll hear us talk about Jumpstart, uh-huh, but join a life group. LM kids and LM students. Like, if you're afraid of adults, disciple kids and students. Like, come on. I know (laughs) we have so many excuses why we can't help our disciple the next generation. Shed those, shed those excuses and say, okay, I'm gonna, I wanna disciple the next generation. A lot of times as adults, we complain about a lot of things and we're complaining about all this, this generation and this about this generation and that. We need to be doing something about the next generation, pouring into them, telling them about Jesus. And I encourage you on the other side of this wall is another church happening at LM Kids and we need you to volunteer and help with that. Like that we would serve our community by by discipling the next generation. LM students, like join them. Uh, And and man, you'll be discipled by them by just being around them. Like you'll wanna, yeah, you'll wanna follow Jesus by just being around them. Uh, Okay, next one, large groups. We have things like men's breakfast that was referenced or mom's cafe, Lake Mead U's happening. Brad wrote a book called Power of Yes that gives you a tool to walk beside somebody else in their faith in Jesus. Here's the, here's, the, as we close out this series, immeasurably more. This is what we want immeasurably more discipleship, where you and I will just catch that fire of teaching and and walking beside somebody else and growing and having them pour into us and teaching us that that would be a, just the life that you now live is that we would together be discipling and being discipled over and over again. We won't arrive in this life. There won't be a moment where you can't have somebody else speaking into you and you be not, not be speaking into somebody else. We will need to do that all throughout this life. I invite you to do it. To the unbeliever, let me say these last words. If you're in this room, and I, and I hope there are unbelievers in this room right now. Back at that empty tomb, the angels spoke these incredible words to these women. Here's what he said. Don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus, but he's no longer dead. He was crucified, but he's not here. He is risen just as he said. For you who are just skeptical and uncertain about who Jesus is, I wanna invite you to consider him. Because 2,000 years ago, there was an empty tomb and many witnesses to that. And over and over, the, throughout the last 2,000 years, people have testified of the power of Jesus in their life. And I wanna invite you to that. He died for you in your place uh, and so that you would have an abundant life to live in him. And so if you wanna make that decision today, Brad's gonna talk about that just in a moment, but where you would just call on him and say, okay, I'm not sure I trust in you. I'm not even sure who you are, but I wanna, I wanna know you. I'm stepping out of faith in this. Everyone else, if you'll just bow your heads just for a moment. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna challenge you to consider a couple things and I want them to be bold. If that friend asks you to summarize what following Jesus is, This isn't a matter of a guilt trip or anything like that. That's not where I want to go here. I want to encourage you. What does that look like this year for you? What What is following Jesus and making disciples look like for you? And here's what I want you to consider. Boldly ask the Spirit of God to make this life ahead about literally baptizing friends and family who don't know Jesus, that you would be the one to do that this year, that you'd be the one to teach others to follow Jesus, to observe all that he said, that you would be the one that would be taught, that you would be a student, and you'd invite other people into your life, that you would grow in your faith, that that would all happen this year.
0: Some challenging words. Would you stand with me as we uh, get ready to dismiss? If you could just keep your heads bowed, or your eyes closed just for a second as we just stand, I oh, just wanna give you a chance to stretch out. If you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never bowed your knee to the King of Kings who defeated death, I wanna invite you to do that right now, right where you stand. It's simply calling out to Jesus in faith, just saying something like this, God, I know that I have sinned, I've done wrong and that I don't have any hope to fix myself. I I would stand in front of you condemned. I put my trust in Jesus who was killed for me. His blood takes away my sin, his victory, is my victory as he rises from the dead. I'm given the hope of eternal life. I put my allegiance in King Jesus, I give it to him. I ask Jesus to save me, to forgive me, and to give me that eternal hope of his resurrection. I pray that in Jesus name. Amen. If you gave your heart to Jesus today, we want to know about it. We want to walk with you. As Mike said today, we want to grow together. We want to help you in this discipleship process. You can do this two ways. You can go on the app and you can, on the QR code, and you can indicate that you are following Jesus and we will follow up with you. You can come and talk to us uh, either up front or at the welcome wall. If you're a guest today, we hope you felt welcomed and loved. We are a group of Jesus followers that are trying to follow Jesus together. We're not perfect, but we follow someone who is. Can I get an amen? Of that. We'll see you next week.